Welcome to the next edition of my Consumer Focus podcast. And I'm delighted again to be joined by the lovely Mary Claire, by the lovely Leila, and by the equally lovely Dave. How are you all? Good, thank you. Very well, thank you. Hot. Hot, yes. It's been a record-breaking week, hasn't it, in the UK? 40 degrees plus. I think I got about two hours sleep last night. It is the worst night I've ever had, but there you go. That'll timestamp the podcast anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Not to worry. We're going to talk today about the future of the high street, which is a topic close to my heart and something that we've been talking about in uh, the UK for quite a long time. Um, But before we get there, I just wanted to touch base with you again on some of the factors that are going on at the moment from you know for you as a consumer or as consumers in terms of how you're feeling about you know the cost of living crisis etc and and it it seems like every time we turn on the tv or we turn on the news or listen to radio there's nothing but good news today this morning 40 year high for inflation of 9.4 percent it's just crazy so I have to say, I still think there's a gap in the market for a good news channel, but uh, I don't know how much good news there actually is around at the moment. So it is a very real issue that obviously is affecting all of us. Um, can you just give me an idea of how you're feeling and how it's affecting you, Mary Claire? Any any thoughts? Have things changed since the last time we spoke? Um, well, I'm definitely still uh, really considering my um, car use. And, and that's specific to where I live, being very central with the um, ultra, ultra low emission zone yeah. um, and congestion charge. But also I have really noticed um, shopping um, and who is giving you a good offer and, and who isn't. And when we were laid up, the whole family with COVID, um, it had to be online shopping and going to Ocado. And I don't do that really regularly. It's a bit of a, if it's an emergency situation and I found myself only buying deals on principle so if something I mean we're not a very brand specific household we don't have this I'll only eat you know certain brand but um I I specifically went to anything that was half price or buy one get one free on a principle because it feels like you're being kind of robbed left right and center so where you can make a saving um and I have noticed also regularly whatever I might be buying online, which has been um, in the last couple of weeks, certainly a lot more things. It, it's constantly showing me, um, you know, this could be a coupon in here if you click this. It feels like certainly online there is a a presence where you, you know, you can get a good deal. But um, high street, not so much. I'm feeling <laughs> Right. Okay. That's interesting. What about you, Dave? I mean, are you, have you changed again? I mean, I know that you, last time we spoke, you talked about, I remember you talked about being really much more considerate in what you buy and, and certain products that before you wouldn't have thought twice about buying had become a treat for you, basically. So anything changed since last time we spoke? Yeah, I don't think we should ever stop considering things that are luxuries like cheese a treat. So um, I, I think that's um, that's an attitude I'm going to continue with. Um, I, I never thought I'd be using the word frugal to describe my youthful generation, but I do think I'm being a little bit more frugal. Um, maybe obsessively to some degree, like a convert started doing um, like cashback and rebate apps 
which sometimes I feel like they're trying to tempt you to get the latest product or bump their sales. But then occasionally you get something that is actually useful. Like I've got some energy drinks um, that I've been, you know, multi-buying as part of my meal deal. And I get like 50p back on that, which is always nice. That goes into PayPal, which pays for my iCloud storage on my phone. So it's a circular economy of frugalism. Um, but yeah, sometimes you also get like a little cashback apps are probably like the this generation's coupons i'd assume just don't cut them out but then there's other useful stuff like um like bags of rice and stuff like that so if these staple items come in, come up i'm not just trying to get away with trying to scrape back a few pennies but actually go hmm i could use that i could freeze that i could put that in a cold dark environment as it says and come back to that later yeah so you really um, are thinking about it actually quite yeah, yeah. quite strategically by the sounds of it <laughs> yeah and i also only have a cycle to the nearby tesco or whatever so that's covered the travel because i've got my legs and i limit myself to how much i can get in my rucksack if it goes over that if i can't physically hold it then i'll know in the back of my mind that it could be over a budget or it's just too excessive and we're going to waste it so that's yeah. what i do that very interesting Leila, what about yourself? Um, I think for me, um, it's very much been about choosing my battles. Um, you know, I've always got had quite a hectic um, social life. You know, but I think maybe one or two years ago, I'd be going out to dinner three, four times a week. Now, I, I'm, you know, if I go, if I go out to eat, you know, more than three, four times a month now, I'm put, I'm strapped for cash, and uh, so it kind of, I have to be able to justify going out to kind of you know linking it to an occasion is it a birthday is it date night or is it you know whatever but I won't you know won't just kind of randomly um go to the pub for example you know there has to be some kind of reason tied to it um which kind of stops me from you know limits me a little bit um and to Dave's point as well about the um kind of bulk buying so things like rice whereas it's much easier to buy in the individual packets which is you know multiple times more expensive um you know we'll kind of batch buy and um, you know, I've kind of stopped shopping, uh, stopped shopping online, doing food shopping online as much. Um, so, you know, I'd sometimes had gone onto the apps like Gorillas and stuff, which, you know, they, they'll deliver food to you quite, you know, quite quickly, but they always come at a premium. Things are more expensive. And, you know, you've got Sainsbury's um, delivery, which is up to seven pounds per delivery. So, um, you know, that feels like a waste of money. So I'll kind of bite the bullet and, you know, walk to the shop um, as well to sort of do that. And I think that, um, yeah, it's just generally kind of like reining it in and being a little bit more conscious. Um, and also I've got the uh, the cashback feature enabled on my um, bank app as well now. So everything I spend gets rounded up and put into savings. Right. And just uh, so obviously you're all being much more cautious and considered in terms of your consumption on that side of it. What we're reading about quite a lot at the moment, though, is that there's this kind of whole revenge travel thing going on, which I think is one of the reasons. I mean, there's lots of reasons why. We're seeing all these issues at our airports, lack of staff, but ultimately demand is at a level that it's, you know, difficult to cope with. Or have any of you got any travel booked? Is that something that you're you're actually still planning to do holiday-wise or anything? I think I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I've been away a number of times already this summer. Um, and luckily none of my flights have been cancelled, but you do feel like you're kind of playing a bit of a risky game, you know, because I think actually what do you do if your flight does get cancelled? Because it's not like there are loads of other alternative flights that you can get on that are empty, you know, like you're quite sort of stuck. So luckily, touch wood, that hasn't happened to me yet. And I think I've got all my travel out of the way. But yeah, the airport experience is, um, has been pretty horrific. 
know, but, from a, but from a budgeting point of view, you know, you're making lots of changes on and kind of, and, you know, in terms of what you're buying on a daily basis, what you eat, where you shop, but it's not, it's not stopping you from basically getting away. And is that almost a kind of rebalance for you where you're taking advantage of our relatively newfound freedom and, and, and getting, a, getting away as often as you can? Is that what's going on there? No, it's more that the all of my travel plans have been in the diary for a number of months. And so they're all kind of coming to fruition now. So I'm like, oh, God, actually, <laughs> you know, like the the sort of the, the accommodation, the flights and stuff were all booked a while ago. So yeah. I think had it been now, um, you know, I'm not making any kind of future travel plans for the rest of the year because, you know, I, they're just isn't the money to do so. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think if I'd have been in this position a few months ago, I may not have made quite so many plans because actually sort of, um, you know, when you get onto your holiday, you're then kind of watching what you spend as well. Yeah, and actually yeah. being in Europe now, it's not cheap. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Marie-Claire, Dave, any, any, any holiday plans? Uh, we have nothing booked. And I, um, this is an interesting one because my husband, at the, he hates flying anyway, but he's, oh. he has committed to never flying again, oh, which really? um, is a climate uh, decision, but I've yeah. said, what about the rest of your family? And he said, <laughs> well, I'll take a train, you can fly. But I actually, since the pandemic, have had no desire to book anything that is seems stressful, could get cancelled. I've got too many friends who had maybe like 40th or 50th birthday celebrations in a cottage in the UK yeah. and everything had to be cancelled because of COVID and insurance wouldn't pay out. Yeah. So I've become quite risk averse but uk holidays definitely i i'm i feel like we need to change the four walls but i feel like nothing is making me want to fly yeah fair enough fair enough dave what about you i don't know like hotels.com keep emailing me talking about my perfect getaway from the city and i'm like those pictures look nice but do i really want to i think i mean i'm the worst right so we were in july and when annual leave at my work rolls over and I never take it even though I'm tired so I'm the worst person you ask for about holiday because <laughs> yeah. I just never take them but I do need breaks and yeah. um of recent I'm taking advantage of those more well, um, I, think you, but, I, think, I think you need to make sure you do do that right it's important to mm. have the balance obviously yeah yeah um but yeah I just I, I haven't tipped over the point where I wanted to take holiday. Uh, I kind of want to justify it. I, and I wouldn't want to call it a holiday either. Like in the back of my mind, right? I've always wanted to go with a couple of people in like a, a long boat down a canal to Somerset, if there are canals in Somerset and go to all the orchards and drink all the cider and just enjoy it like a summery day chewing on a piece of grass. Um, but I don't even know where to start planning for that. But, I like your creativity. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't call that a holiday either. I'd call that a break and I'd call it like an experience. So yeah. in my mind, I'd want to justify that. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, one thing that did feel like a holiday is I did some house sitting last week. Mm -hmm. And just because it wasn't my house, my bedroom, everything that I'm familiar with, it, it felt like a getaway. It was like three or four days, just like two towns over, cat sitting. Um, but I really enjoyed that, and I <laughs> interesting. Well, maybe that's the, maybe that's going to become more of a thing then. I'm, yeah. I'm 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 literally about to book a flight to go to Australia on business for the ridiculous. I feel really bad saying this, given what you've just said, Mary Claire, about your husband 
for my 24th trip to Australia in 12 years, which is a bit embarrassing to admit. But anyway, I mean, the, and it's literally, it's almost 100% more expensive than it was in December 2019. I mean, it's just, it's eye-wateringly eye expensive. So anyway, that's the story for another day, but it's definitely not a holiday. It's definitely for work. Um, let's talk about let's talk about um, the high street. So we've heard lots of noise over the last few years about you know, you know the high street's dead. Which I'll put my cards on the table. I personally don't subscribe to that. I think that it's for me it's got to go through a transformation because arguably it's maybe some high streets around the country have become a bit dilapidated and become a bit run down and maybe don't have. You know the proposition, the quality, whatever that we, you know, that we're looking for as consumers. But I'd love to get your thoughts. So I guess I'll start with you, Mike Claire. Tell, tell us if you don't mind. What do you think of the current experience on the high street in a general sense? Um, I, I feel like I've lost, not personally, but uh, so many of the shops that were my go-to. I need a dress for a wedding or something. I need a top for a night out. Oasis warehouse, all gone online. Uh, Coast, another one. And I find it really sad because I'm not a good online shopper. I, I, I need. I, I could take ten things into a changing room and come out with nothing. So it's really important to me to feel it, try it on. So I don't buy from those brands because also I can't risk having stuff piled up that I haven't got returned in time. Um, so my personal experience in, in that regard is I, I find it a bit sad. Those kind of brands I used to go to have gone. Um, and also House of Fraser was a big one for me because um, I, my mother worked there at some point. I did. My brother did. We all had time. Right. growing up in Bedfordshire where Milton Keynes we'd all done our done our time in the um handbag department and it was it felt high-end I mean not Selfridges but it was like a John Lewis to me and that there used to be a local one at um Monument by London Bridge so mm. if I did need something I could trot over there and and pick something up and I think those things just disappearing feels bit sad and and I, I don't think I'll ever become someone who's signed up to ASOS or Sheen not because I don't value it because, but because of my personal shopping experience I get the gratification from feeling good about getting something there and then not in the post. Yeah, sure sure that's really good feedback. Leila what about yourself any thoughts on the high street in terms of the current state of it and how it might evolve or whatever? So um, I, I did go switch back to high street shopping for a bit um, after the pandemic because I was finding it hard to, you know, picture what I was buying and thought it might be quicker to make decisions in person, um, to Mary Claire's point, you know, to actually physically, you know, buy an item. Um, but the range of things that you get in a physical store feels quite restrictive now in terms of the, the range. Um, and also to her point about some of the go-to shops, you know, like I used to love Topshop on Oxford Circus, but um, that's gone now. And, uh, you know, like you said, some of the other shops are kind of closing down too. So, and they haven't really been replaced with equivalents that are as good. So, you know, if I go clothes shopping on Oxford Street, for example, there's not that many shops that I'd like want to go in for the hassle of trekking all the way or getting the central line into Oxford Circus and traipsing on the high street. You know, you go into a shop and it's hot and it's crowded. And, you know, I can only go at times when it's going to be hot and crowded. So, um, 
yeah, I think it's kind of, you know, just generally a bit more inconvenient. And so I've kind of tended to sort of go back online. Um, and I think, you know, the shops just, that to me, don't feel like they're really doing enough to enhance the bricks and mortar experience, you know, because it's people have got so used to online shopping now and online shopping kind of spoon feeds you everything you want and need. Um, so it's kind of like what a shop's doing to to kind of make the in-store experience as good as online. I don't think they're there yet. All right, well, we'll delve into that in a bit more detail in a, in a bit, but thank you for that. Dave, thoughts on the high streets? Um, I think a lot of you guys have talked about shopping and not about restaurants and stuff like that. And I know I got a bit peckish the other day and I was just greeted with the same old pretz and costas and stuff like that. And it seems like um, that model of just if, if someone's entered the market, we're also going to set up another shop that does exactly the same thing in that entire cluster. Is, is, is the high street dead? It's a bit carbon copy, whichever city you go. I mean, we were just talking about holidays. Tell me that you wouldn't have taken a break in a in a UK city and then just known that there would have been a Starbucks or an H&M that you could have gone to in your hometown, but you bought a T-shirt while on holidays. So it's magical. So I think a lot of carbon copied stuff has kind of um, ruined it for us. And then I was looking at... Um, Twickenham High Street, which is where I live, and a lot of long-standing shops that have been there. Not not quite House of Fraser, but like the local shoe shop that have been there shut down. A lot of the other businesses shut down. Um, and the way that it's not dead or its death is being dragged out, however you want to perceive it, is that I think local councils have messed up. I don't know enough details to speculate on that because um, of business rates or something that's above my pay grade to understand. But Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's along those lines. Um, but they've started um, not boarding up shops. They put like just these nice frontages of them, like new business coming soon or business inquiries. And it shows people having fun times and, and drinking coffee and socializing, even though there's nothing behind that shop. And there isn't going to be for another six to nine months, even at that. So it's a shame to see it. I think you're doing yourself a disservice in terms of it being uh, being above your pay grade. But you're 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 absolutely right. I think there's a I think there's a myriad of, of things going on as I look at it. I mean, you've got you've got business rates which are extremely uh, challenging for retailers and a little bit antiquated in terms of how they are determined in the first place. And I think that what what's happening and and also you've got you know these ridiculous leases that retailers used to have to sign up for for 25 years or whatever you know those days are gone now so i think landlords are having to become much more flexible um, something has to happen with business rates that's a governmental level uh, and i think it can, you know it's a, it's a local level it's quite interesting i live in well, i live in a little village but my local high street is high barnet and it's not particularly aspirational and if you kind of if you if you look at the demographics around the area you think it would be a bit more, it'd be a bit more like maybe, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Muswell Hill or Richmond or somewhere where you've got a really nice mix of quite a lot of independence and artisanal type, you know, brands, food brands, you know, retailers and so on and so forth. Anyway, long story short, we've got a Gales Bakery opening up, which we're all, I don't know if you know the brand Gales, it tends to be probably more North London and maybe the centre, but we're all very excited about that. And uh, we feel that, that's a concerted effort by local authorities 
to start to actually up the ante and, and bring in some more attractive brands that actually bring people back to the high street. So we've also seen quite a, a really nice independent jewelry, jewelers open and millets open and a bunch of brands that just never used to be there. And you would imagine a couple of years ago would never have wanted to open up in high street Barnet. So hopefully we're beginning to see, you know, the, the, the transformation of the high street. But I'm, I'm interested. Sorry, Mary Claire, please. Sorry, I just wanted to speak to your point about Gales. So where yes. I live in Bermondsey is just off Bermondsey Street, which is kind of known for its um, more sort of bespoke shops and cafes and restaurants. And nothing is branded. It's nothing is, um, you know, High Street. And then uh, I just drove past the other day. Gales Bakery is opening, and it's mm. people's responses are great. That place that has been sitting there is finally going to be you know something yeah. as opposed to just you know un unlet and then there's another wealth of people saying but that's the first time what are we going to get a prep next it's almost like an yeah. anti yeah. having anything that is is known yeah. that's very interesting i guess <clears throat> i guess where we where we kind of need to get to is where we've got a balance right i mean i i would have thought the majority of consumers would probably welcome having some bigger brands on their high street, but mixed with a really nice, you know, level of independent and artisanal retail, um, which I think gives us then, the, you know, more choice than we had. I think to Dave's point earlier about, you know, the, the homogeneity, if, if that word is, the, if I'm using the word correctly, you know, I do a lot of research for consumers, you know, and when I interview consumers on the, on the high street and I say to them, what frustrates you about physical retail, that's the one thing they always come up with. Or there's two things. They always say there's not enough people to serve them when they go into a store. But the other thing is they say too many stores are just too much the same. The product's the same. It just feels the same from one town to another. So I think that's the way retail went. And I feel like we're having to go back to something that's a bit broader in proposition. Dave? Yeah, if I can also uh, interject and uh, conclude it with a positive <laughs> Twick, and it actually comes back to Gales as well, would you believe? Um, so Twickenham High Street is, you know, it's got a reputation for charity shops and whatever the highest, lowest bidder is, is going to get that shop. We've got three Tesco now. I don't need three Tesco. Um, there is also the micro community um, on Church Street, which is just off the high street and i think it's twickenham's original high street now there are local committees that will have certain patches i don't know if it's across every town and every city but there'll be a local committee and that committee is all the store owners the shop owners along that street and they will all accept or reject if a business wants to open up on the street so if they feel that it doesn't contribute to the community to the vibe on that little unique side street, then they'll reject that application. I don't know if they've got the final say on this kind of stuff, but they've definitely got influence. And I know that I can tell you from the couple of streets as you walk down and the bunting, it's got character. And it, I think it's because on a community level, people came together and said, yes, that shop would be great, or no, we're not having that. But a Gales did open up, so <laughs> I don't know what level that was decided. Uh, I'm not excited. Well, I, don't, I don't think, you know, to be, fair, to be fair to Gales, you know, my, my perspective of Gales would be the product's quite good. And actually, it feels more like an independent retailer. It does, you know, it feels like an independent baker's. It doesn't 
feel like a big national food chain or anything. Yes, it's becoming bigger and it's, you know, because it's becoming, because it's popular. But in my, in my opinion, anyway, I don't think it, that's a mindset that people maybe have, some people have, but I think it's, it feels like it'd be quite, it can be quite a local business, a local proposition. But that's really interesting about the whole community element. And there's some, there's definitely something in that. There's, there's something in the power of the people in the local community having some kind of say in what their high street should look like and, and what, what the mix of brands, you know, that should be there. Just kind of segueing on from that, um, the high street, obviously, and we're, we're, we're beginning to talk about other entities, not just, you know, retailers where you can go and buy fashion. We're talking about food and everything. What should what should the mix of the high street actually include? Any thoughts, Dave? I mean, what you know, in an ideal world, if you had a blank bit of paper and you were going down to your local high street in Twickenham, what would there what would you see there? And I mean across all different sectors, basically. I'm trying to think of basic needs, like a like a if if the heel of my boot broke, I would need a um, what they're called. Cobbler. <laughs> cobbler. We need more cobblers. Yeah, cobbler. Yeah. No, I guess I don't know what you want. Um, let's just think of. I know this is a time which is way before mine. It's it's sepia tinted, but um, cobblers for the basics: fixing his shoes, getting a key cut, a butcher's, and a, a fishmonger's, I suppose. A chemist, a post office. And then what other essential needs do we have? News agents, everything in between that, I guess, could be more optional and lifestyle based, like clothing boutiques. But I'd, I'd, I'd happily move into a village that had those basics. Yeah. So basically meeting meeting basic needs the way that the way that the high street did. I think when you go back to the 50s, the 40s, 50s and 60s, as, as retail really evolved. Mary Claire, any, any anything to add to that? I spend quite a bit of time down in Whitstable in Kent and I really value that high street because it does have a Boots, a Sainsbury's local, a cobbler, as Dave would say, um, another really good pharmacist. It's got a Sainsbury's local. It's got a couple of clothing shops like Jewel and Fat Face and um, another kind of surfing brand, uh, White Stuff. But then it has a lot of independent shops, um, which are really celebrated by the whole community about keeping things local. Um, but it's also got a great shop called Whites of Kent, which is there for all your towels, bedding, nightwear. And it really does feel quite old school when you go in there. But the, the guy running the shop has everything you could possibly need. I, I, I rarely, when we're down there, ever have to think, I've got to go to another town to get X, Y, or Z because they seem to have it all covered somehow. It's quite interesting. There, there's a hardware shop. Uh, whenever we need anything for the house, you know, bulbs or padlocks or, you know, anything like that, WD-40. You know, there's a hardware shop on Cockfosters Main Street, um, just a, a mile and a half or so away from, from where we are, which is another of our local high streets. And I don't know what it is, but you can go in there and you can ask for anything. I guarantee you, you should almost set a challenge of trying to find something that they don't actually sell. And I reckon you wouldn't be able to find anything. It's quite remarkable. Leila, what about yourself? What about um, mix of proposition on the high street? Not just not just in terms of retail, but you know what else? Food and beverage, entertainment, etc. 
Yeah, so I think that it's important that people see the high street as a destination rather than necessity. So obviously, like um, to everybody else's point, you know, you need to have like boots, super drug, pharmacy type thing, um, you know, like clothes shop. I think gifts and cards are really important as well, because, you know, you always get caught short without, um, you know, somebody's birthday or whatever. But, you know, it was at charity shops, clothes shops. But, um, but yeah, I think like what makes a high street feel nice, like a destination is, you know, like nice kind of pubs, restaurants, cafes with tables out on the street um i think because you know people kind of walk past that and it feels a bit aspirational rather than all just being kind of concrete shops so i mean so i live in east london and so i think bethnal green road is an interesting example of that because um you know it's kind of one end of it you've kind of become it's become really gentrified it you know it's now got a prep and a costa there which you know much to all the local residents dismay but you know as you go down the other end you know it used to be quite dilapidated but actually kind of in amongst there like the sort of the smaller cafes have started to put you know nice like sort of tables and chairs out and you get kind of people actually then coming into the area to spend money to you know do a bit like basically they'll come in to go to like whatever the cool quirky new cafe is or coffee shop and they'll sit outside it and they'll take photos for their Instagram but you know in, in doing so they're they're kind of also popping into the shops on their way um on their way to and from the station for example so it's quite good to um to kind of like pull in footfall from people who wouldn't otherwise go there because there's like a, a cool cute new cafe there or a, you know a bar with outside seating so I, I think, think that kind of is really important yeah I think you, I think you had the nail on the head there for me the high street's got to be a destination right and we talked earlier as well about the experience in retail and about it needing to be more experiential because if it's not, and if the high street isn't a destination, then why wouldn't you just buy online, right? Because it's just more convenient. So I think if you've got the right mix of, to Dave's point, if you've got the staples, the things that you actually need, along with, you know, maybe to Marie Claire's point, something, you know, something aspirational, but a nice mix of, you know, independent with maybe a few sprinkling of some bigger brands. And there, and then to your point, um, Leila, you've got that, you know, it's a destination. You've got a really nice mix of, you know, food and beverage and places that people want to go to. Then I think I can see in my mind's eye, you know, the picture of what the high street might look like in the future. Just one question in terms of the actual environment itself. Have any of you, aside from Whitstable, Actually, let's start with Whitstable, Marie Claire. I mean, because I'm I'm not sure if I was trying to think whether I've been there. But I think I might have been there once. Um, but in terms of the environment, does it feel like a nice environment to go to? Yeah, it's lovely. I, I mean, the destination part, I think, for most people is the beach. But we are, you know, it's an all-weather place as well. Um and they they have got the bunting out there as well, Dave. Just like just like Church Street in Twickenham, which I I know um, myself having filmed there in a previous life. Um, but it does have that real. It's got um, a sweet shop, an ice cream shop that is full of. It's got that sort of candy cane ice cream paraphernalia outside, and it's got great pubs and restaurants too. So it's it does feel like somewhere you want to be and it's quite a joy to walk down the high street yeah. um it's got antique shops as well and and quirky little places and they recently um the school my daughter goes to decided to raise money for the pta and invited everyone to have crazy hair day so while we were down there i suddenly thought oh, i haven't got anything for this and on the sunday i went into a great shop there which is similar to how you're describing this this place um 
forget what you say. And it's called George's Cockfosters. This is George's Mini Mart in Whitstable. And you can get anything in there, including hairspray in every single colour. So it's almost like the place you go in and say, yeah. oh, I don't suppose you've got, and they always have it. That's brilliant. Love that. Leila, any, anything to add to that? Um, I think so. Um, like to my kind of earlier point, I think, you know, I like um, Red Church Street in uh, East London because that has a similar kind of vibe. You know, they've got sort of like nice high end shops and stuff that I can't afford in it, but it's quite nice to go window shopping. And um, but they also have, um, you know, like it's quite nice just to walk down there, you know, go for lunch, go for meet a friend for coffee. Um, you know, and it's sort of the experience of that is quite nice, you know, kind of by coincidence, you're, by proxy rather, you'll just end up going into one of the shops. Yeah. Um, same with Broadway Market as well, which is quite similar. You know, you won't necessarily buy stuff, but you'll kind of walk past the shops by proxy. Yeah, sometimes you'll just go for the experience, right? So, mm -hmm. Dave, any, any particular environments that, that appeal to you or, or what you think you should be doing, what, what they should feel like? Uh... I don't know. I'm not a markety kind of guy. Um, I mean, I'm working in, in Islington right now, and we've got two markets, uh, Exmouth and I forget what the other one is. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be a market. And actually, sorry to cut across, I mean, Islington, mm. I think, is a great example, right? I mean, Islington, the, the high street or whatever the name of the road is, you know, as you go through Upper Street, is it, I think? You know, it's got a yeah. really nice feel yeah. to it, doesn't it? Yeah, Upper Street, Camden Passage. I think like what Layla was saying, actually, a lot of these quirky places, if that's the right word to use, sometimes you don't go in there, but you do window shop or you note it for somewhere to go later for a date yeah. or somewhere to um, meet up on. Actually, should I, should I, uh, <laughs> should I share Just this? Um, <laughs> yeah, we can always edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was, I was, um, Let's, let's be careful how we use this word. I was nagged to book a date in and I was like, okay, fine, I'll do that. I'll be organized, I'll take control here. And I ended up choosing going to the Ivy Cafe and it wasn't because I thought it would be a good date because I wanted to go there. So um, I guess certain places that you do go past and you note and you log for later is what comes back and then you eventually end up spending your money and helping that local economy. I don't answer the question too well. Yeah, yeah, it's all good, it's all good. Um, I went to, I can't remember the name of it, but I went to I went to Colchester, and Colchester's actually won awards um, for the way they've transformed their, their kind of town centre, if you like. And there was one particular retailer there um, that was in the vintage space selling vintage wear, vintage fashion. And what I really loved about it is you went in and there was a little corner it wasn't a big shop. I mean, it was literally a couple of hundred square feet, but there was a corner that was set aside with a few chairs and you could go in and have a cup of tea, cup of coffee, you know, a scone, spoon, um, you could buy some products, you could listen to music. And on a Friday, this is prior to the pandemic that I actually went there, but I'm sure they're doing this again. On the Friday night, they would clear, all the, all the products were on rails and they clear the floor and they had a little stage at the back of the shop and they'd have a band on. And, and so this kind of idea of multi-purpose retail, I think is maybe one of the ways that things might transform in the future, you know, where we make more use of the space. Because when you think about it, again, retail is only accessible during the hours that the shops open or during the hours that, or, or, or online if it's a multi-channel business. 
but from a physical point of view, you could make much more use of the space. You know, if only you had the local authority allowing you to have the flexibility to to repurpose it that way. And I think one of, one of the other things that might make an, might will make an impact actually is that whilst we've all historically moved out to the suburbs, like me, I'm just inside the M25 now. Um, but actually, what we're doing is we're we're now moving back in, and as we increase single dwelling households, etc., you know, more and more people, whether they're empty nesters or whether you know whether they're younger and they're not having kids or they're you know, single dwelling, you know, they'd rather be where the action is and the action isn't really in the suburbs. The action's in, you know, the local town centre or that's where it's kind of going again. So that will make a difference as well because more and more people will be living around the areas of our high streets in a way that they probably haven't done for, you know, the last 20, 30 years. Listen, I really enjoyed that. I, I love talking to you guys and I, I always learn something from all of you in terms of, you know, the reality of what's going on out there right now and what your perspectives are of how things need to change in the future. So hopefully uh, people listening to this particular episode can take some good learnings out of that. Retailers listening to it uh, need to understand that, you know, we need to be not just demonstrating empathy through our marketing communications and telling people we're there for them and we care about them, but we need to obviously deliver that through the deals, the prices, and, and, and how we make products as accessible as possible, as you're all, we're all going through this incredibly challenging period. And I know it's difficult for retailers because they're facing increasing costs um, in their supply chain for everything, for their energy and everything else, and the cost of goods to them are going up. But at the same time, we need them to be as flexible as they can and not passing that on to us and giving us, you know, the ability to, you know, procure products and services at a rate that we can afford so i think there's a lesson learned and hopefully what we've done is painted a pretty good pretty good picture of what we might do with our high streets both now and in the future one last thing i wanted to ask you actually just before we sign off from this episode um i've always had this view that john lewis and some of these bigger brands that wouldn't normally open up on a local high street in a smaller high street because their traditional model is these massive, big, multi tens of thousands of square feet, you know, stores. I've always thought, why couldn't you take a curated range and open up in High Street Barnet, High Street Barnet, for example, and behave like an independent retailer? You know, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think that's is that something that you would find interesting, Marie Claire? I, I love John Lewis. And it is a go-to for, and I love the fact that they've now got like an everyday range. So they have stuff that's really affordable for most people yep. Um, yep. in a in a kind of the, how they market it as basics, but it all works and is lovely. Um, there is, uh, I think, something like what you're talking about at St Pancras. So in where there's the fort and yep. what have you. Yep. And it's great. And it, feels like they're curated around gifting probably because if someone's come over on the Eurostar they might want to take something back that's traditionally English um so maybe something bigger than that I would love to see because I've gone in there before and thought oh it's great but I'm not looking for a gift you're a bit underwhelmed you're a bit underwhelmed yeah Yeah. but just because of the the size of the propositions there they just don't have enough space but I something um maybe twice as big again I'd love to see yeah okay interesting 
Dave, Leila, any thoughts on that? I think um, so. I know that Westfield already does this in a, you know, in some capacity. So the the White City one has, you know, much more upmarket shops than the Stratford one, for example, and that seems to work, um, you know, fairly well for the audiences. Um, I do would definitely welcome the idea of kind of department store model. I think for a local, um, you know, for local sort of areas, I think they'd have to be careful about the kind of brand continuity when it comes to you know what they were offering because obviously it's their their name that's there. But I think that that's a really it's an interesting opportunity potentially to host mm -hmm. pop ups, or other um, you know other kind of like sort of lower smaller stores or kind of temporary um, you know temporary kind of features so it's to showcase a business which then gets springboarded onto kind of you know bigger and better things because it's had that exposure and that back brand equity from the department store so that's um, a really interesting idea I mean I guess on a larger scale Carnaby Street does that quite well you know they kind of post multiple pop-ups kind of you know throughout the year um, so yeah it's an interesting proposition I think it would just need to be managed carefully yeah Dave anything to add or yeah no I think that's a great idea um, and I think you've got the credibility and the assurance, the quality assurance that you're going to get the top of the range of whatever that select range is. Hmm. I think I just need to get over that. I'd prefer it to be an independent store over a massive chain doing it. I don't know if everyone's going to have that attitude towards like, well, when Gales eventually takes off in five years and it's on every street corner and it's kicked out Pret, I don't know if we can return to this, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I think cur curatorial, I think that's a really nice word. I think you're going to get, you know, the absolute attention on exactly what it is you ask for when you go into a shop of that kind, no matter where it comes from. Well, that's what you get, isn't it, from, from smaller independent stores. You get a much more personal experience. I mean, generally speaking, you know, they know who you are, they know where you live, they probably know who's in your life, they know what you like, what you don't like. They often even have products set aside for you, right, if you're a regular customer and I think that's what you you miss to some extent with these with larger you know obviously more national retail chains but maybe smaller curated versions of their larger self might be something that would work in these areas anyway it's certainly something for them to think about and I think along with a, a nice good mix of independent retail with some larger brands nice environments like Whitstable and Kent and other places that we've spoken about with the right food and beverage with and I think also within food and beverage, having a good mix of maybe one or two larger brands, but with a good sprinkling of local independent um, uh, brands as well. I think put all of that together and all of a sudden you've got, you know, the high street as a destination and somewhere that people want to visit. And if we can just sort out the parking um, and uh, local, local transport, public transport as well, then I think I would uh, certainly encourage more people to go back to the high street. Dave, Leila, Marie Claire, as always, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for your time and uh, we look forward to seeing you the next time. Thank you.